The following is a Hoople presentation. Welcome to the Who Fall Celtics podcast. Uh, my name is Patrick. I am your host. You can follow me on Twitter at Ballin' Opinions. That's B-A-L-L-I-N-O-P-I-N-I-O-N-S. I'm here with Hunter today of the Hoop Ball Nets. How's it going, Hunter? Um, I'm doing well, you know. Just just had some breakfast, excited, ready to talk Celtics. Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Hunter underscore JKR. And uh, you can listen to me and my co-host pod at Hoop Ball Nets. Yeah, man. Um, so this is actually our, our second go at this. Uh, we had some technical difficulties <laughs> on Skype, so we switched over to uh, the locker room app to help us out today, talking about some of the acquisitions that the Celtics got and also about yesterday's game. Um, what do you think about uh, Robert Williams finally getting that start going? I know we talked about it already, but what, what so, made you really excited? So. I've been pushing for this for a while. Like whenever he'd have his spurt minutes, you can easily tell that he was the best of the three. And yes, there was some fine tuning to do on on the defensive end. He's mainly just a shot blocker instead of like an overall great defensive player right now. But I think the more minutes he gets, the better he'll be. So giving him that starting role, rolling with the best guys is something I wanted to see for a while. I was really happy, especially because we pulled out a win against the top team while he was doing it. So even when he wasn't scoring, he was impacting the game in a number of different ways. And the second half of the season should be exciting. Yeah, his his rim ability and, and attacking the rim and being that lob threat really opens up the thing for the, the other four on the floor with him. Uh, he's just been great also on the defensive side. I think he's been our best player on defense as far as the centers go. And I really enjoyed his rim protecting lately. I mean, last night he had five blocks against the Bucks and, and just stayed really solid. He also contributed, I think it was like two or three steals in the game. So very active guy. Um, he also had second most assists, um, six assists for Robert Williams out of San Francisco. What's the craziest part about that stat is that this is his first start of the season. He got six assists. Tristan Thompson's season high right now in assists is three in a game. So <laughs> the ability of him just being able to really open up the offense, not only in the regards of passing, but also changing the game of, of really deflecting shots and, and poking it, the, the ball away from defenders and, and getting us back in transition has been really nice. Um, what do you think about uh, Marcus Smart, you know, hitting 7 of 10 from downtown? <laughs> See, I've always been a fan of Smart. And uh, the the thing with him is he's so – hot and cold and that's why so many people are like oh trade him and then the very next day it's oh you can never trade him this this guy's amazing Uh, he impacts the game in a whole different way that the box score never shows and that's why I don't think it matters whether he's playing in the starting lineup or off the bench he's going to show up when it matters and he's going to make an impact he always makes the clutch plays even if he doesn't hit the game winner per se, he will get the game winning steal or block or loose ball. And he will hit those threes that help us get back in a game. I think trading smart would have been the biggest mistake of the season had Ainge decided to pull that. 
Yeah, it was funny uh, hearing uh, Danny Ainge talk about Marcus Smart trade and and say that like he he went to Marcus Smart and even Marcus Smart said this that Danny told him he wasn't getting traded. So um, I don't know where the rumors came out. Maybe his name was dangled around a little bit, and Danny just didn't like what other teams valued him at because I think his value is definitely highest with the Celtics because the Celtics have had this player for so long that they've understand the things that don't come up on a stat sheet that he is able to affect really well. So I think Boston did the right move. Uh, And also, I just don't think that this was the season to go, all right, we got to really flip everything upside down and try to change a bunch of things and make a bunch of mistakes when, you know, I don't think there's a move out there that necessarily puts us in finals, you know, contention or favorites by any means so I think to this year it's more of about let's get Robert Williams more minutes on the floor let's grow let's let Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown really grow into that leadership role as this is the first year that they're really taking over that and just see how far they they can go this season and in in the offseason we'll address some of the things and and really build a, a core around those guys yeah I I think the only other move we can really make is getting Drummond and getting Drummond takes all of Robert Williams minutes right back to the bench. So I'm not sure that I'm in love with that move. I mean, I think Drummond can, can help us in terms of rebounding and being a big body versus the other centers in the East. But I really do want to see Robert Williams grow and him starting is what what creates that path. Uh, I don't know how you feel about Drummond. Yeah, um, I'm honestly not the biggest Drummond fan. Uh, I've been caught saying that a lot. Um, People bash me because of how harsh I am on Drummond. I just, uh, he's an average defender at the most. I think Robert Williams is a better defender than him. Um, I think Robert Williams is a better basketball player than him. The only thing that looks nice for Drummond is that he he can go out there and get you 20 rebounds in a night, you know, and, and that's, that's, you know, something that is utilized and is a, you know, a good thing for a team. The only thing is just at the same time for, for me, I'm just thinking like, does Drummond make me feel like we're title contenders? And I don't necessarily think that does make me feel like we're title contenders. I do think it makes us more interesting and, you know, it could, you know, possibly shock some people that ends up working out. But at the same time, I'm more for, on the wagon of, you know what, our two stars are both in their 20s, 24 or under. And um, you got Robert Williams, you know, finally starting to grow in, into this new role. It's like, why not just let this season be a development process? You don't have to speed it along. I understand that Celtics fans are, you know, definitely right now a little spoiled in the sense that like, hey, man, we've gone to three Eastern Conference finals in the last four years. We want to go back or we want to take the next step. Man, we got lucky, you know, that we got that experience for our young guys and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Let's just continue to progressively make them grow and figure out what are the pieces in the offseason to really put around them, to complement them, and and then we can take that next step. So I think the next, like, two years are really, like, what can we put around these guys to really make a strong run? And then that way our title window is actually four to five years, and we're not just trying to put our chips in for a one- to two-year stint. Yeah, I agree, especially because if we're being honest, no one is taking down the fully healthy nets for the next two years while they're having that roster. They have 
two top seven players, probably, depending on where people have Harden. Some have him at eight or nine. Uh, for me, he's about six or seven. And then they have Kyrie, who's top 15. And with that team, people are going to come to play around them. It's going to be minimum guys. They're going to want to play, want to get that ring. So the Nets will have two to three years to get their rings. After that, it's anyone's game because the Lakers will be done and the Clippers will likely be broken up. It's going to be a whole different powerhouse after that. And being that Tatum and Brown are both 24 and under, like you said, if we keep them, they'll hit their prime right when that window opens back up. So I think this is all learning. This is all learning and helping Kemba stay competitive for the entirety of his contract but going forward it's it's a learning process for the young guy yeah absolutely and i think uh another thing is too is like i don't think that they should be totally unaggressive in two years because i mean we, we talk about how like the nets reign is going to be done in about two or three years we think but everybody was waiting on the Warriors ring to stop and it's like and then you got the nets now creating this super team so i'm not necessarily saying like keep waiting and keep waiting, keep waiting. I just think for our timeline in general, for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, it's push the chips in when they're 26, 27. And that's when we get really aggressive and make sure that we try to build the best championship team around them. And we take a four or five year run and we really try to just hammer in and try to get a ring or two in that situation. And it's really tough to do that in the NBA to, to just get those championships going. But into other news, uh, you know, Evan Fournier coming to the Boston Celtics. How do you feel about that? So I, I honestly thought we were getting Aaron Gordon, but Marcus Smart was apparently the centerpiece that the Magic wanted in Gordon talks. It was Smart from us and Harris from the Nuggets. So I don't blame Ainge at all because I don't want to move Smart. I don't think Gordon is worth moving Smart. I think Smart's impact on the court is bigger than Gordon's, in fact. But the f- you can't turn down two second-round picks for Fournier, whether he's a rental or not, because we've had all these picks and done nothing with them before, and second-rounders don't really wind up being much in the long run. So Fournier, if we can turn him into a, a few-year extension type of player, which is what I'm hearing Ainge wants, Stevens wants, and Fournier is not opposed to it, then I'm not against it either because Fournier is a high-volume scorer, fairly efficient, shooting 46% from the field, 39 from three, a solid free-throw shooter, and he's a shot creator. He averages about four assists. He he can make plays when one of the Jays has to sit. So uh, I'm excited about it. Also, shout-out to Mo Wagner. Um I had him when he was on Michigan that year. I had them making the championship and winning it. They obviously lost to Villanova, but I was, I was, I became in love with him and uh, the rest of that Michigan roster when they almost won me my bracket, they came so close, but uh, now he's a Celtic. So reunite. Oh yeah. That's, that must be uh, quite the feeling having Mo Wagner. Um, Yeah. Evan Fournier, I think he's definitely going to add a a dynamic, uh, approach to the Celtics it's gonna add another army Swiss knife into this Brad Stevens type rotation and lineup so it'll be interesting to see if he decides to start him if he decides to 
have him come off the bench. I personally still think he should start him. Uh, I think he'd be really good in the starting lineup, and, and Marcus Smart would be good in the playmaking ability on the bench. But it wouldn't shock me if, it, you know, Brad Stevens like, I want scoring off the bench and, and had Fournier come off uh, for, you know, when first Jason Tatum or, or Jalen Brown came off or even when Marcus Smart took a break or something like that. The, the good thing is that I feel like uh, we have four good scores now on the team. So we get to stagger at least two at a time. And I think that's just going to be a really consistency for our offense, which has lacked at times when we have to throw in that bench unit and we throw in Jason Tatum by himself or Jalen Brown by himself or even Kemba Walker. And you go, we need you to carry the offensive load because the people around them aren't able to create for themselves. So they're out there trying to create for their teammates and themselves at the same time. So I think that's just going to, be a very interesting uh, aspect to the Celtics offense moving forward, um, adding Fournier to the mix. But I'm, I'm really excited to see what he can do. Yeah, I want to uh, see him off the bench just to start to see uh, how he'll work with the other stars whenever he does come into the game. I think it is. We've seen this before when the Celtics have a lot of ball handlers that there is some unrest. I'm hoping that that doesn't occur this time around. It seems like Fournier is more lighthearted and and in it to win it than just over here trying to steal shots from everyone. So I I think if everyone just buys in and regardless of their role, that Stevens can roll with the hot hand to close out games, that the second half of the season is looking up and we can climb right back up to that fourth seed because that's going to be – right where we want to sit fourth or fifth seed. So we don't have to run directly right into one of the bucks, Sixers uh, nets right away. I mean, I always think we match up fairly well with the Sixers regardless, but I think preserving that for a second round matchup might be better. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the ability of the, Celtics is, you know, we can get to that fourth seed 100%. And it all depends on really how the the Miami Heat continue to play throughout the season because um, there is still a possibility that the Celtics can creep their way into that, that third spot as well. Uh, or I think actually Miami went to eighth seed, so I'm, I'm actually tripping. So, yeah, I don't think they're going to be able to get to that third seed. Milwaukee's at third, uh, Brooklyn's at two, and Philly's at one right now. Um, but yeah, they definitely want to avoid Brooklyn, I think, first round. That would be a tough matchup, and um, I feel bad for anybody who has to play the Heat in that first round because I think the Heat are going to cause a lot of issues as far as the standings go um, themselves. Um, it would be interesting to see uh, who we end up matching it with in the playoffs. I, I do want to just see Boston. And um wondering if uh, – what what you think they're going to be finishing at overall? Um, I mean, record wise, I could I could see us finishing at maybe. Uh, see, this is this is tough because I'm expecting a hot run at some point from us. So maybe a like a thirty nine and thirty three kind of finish which I hope is good enough for the fourth seed. But if anyone else stays hot, like if the Heat get hot as well, we're going to wind up matching up with them in the first round. 
but I'm hoping that we, we finish as the four seed and we end up with a matchup like the Hawks who are now hot or the I don't there's a whole bunch of teams in the mix I don't think the Knicks are going to stay up there I don't think the Hornets are going to stay up there it's going to wind up causing some separation soon but I do think the Celtics will be around 39 and 33 and have a steady seven man like heavy minutes rotation and then have Pritchard and Grant Williams probably as their eighth and ninth contributing as well was wondering if what you thought of uh, Jalen Brown's knee uh, going into the postseason, how comfortable you feel about that, and also Kemba Walker. Um, I think Jalen Brown will be okay. Uh, I never have concerns about him. In in a way, he's similar to Clay Thompson to me, not in terms of how he plays at all or anything, but stability. Like I, I can always rely on Jalen Brown to be there, and I, I see him as next to Smart as one of like the rocks of the team. And I think he will, regardless of injury, he'll be playing his best game. Kemba's the one I'm more concerned about because he still hasn't hit peak form yet. And I don't know if we'll see that. I hope we do. But it's going to be interesting to see if the second half gets Kemba back to Kemba for the playoffs rather than what he was in the first half. Yeah, absolutely. I think Kemba Walker's I think they're being really careful with him. I think he's I think he's able to medically play back to backs, but I think the Celtics are being really cautious and going, you know what, we're not gonna play back to backs on Kemba Walker during the regular season. The only time he's gonna play, you know, um within stints like that would be next season as far as back to backs. You don't really play any back to backs in the playoffs, so you don't have to worry about that either. Um, I am a little bit more concerned than you as far as Jalen Brown's knee because he's came out and said he hasn't felt 100% and he's not able to have the same explosion that he's used to having because of his knee issue. And the fact that he's continuing to play through it and because of the Celtics standing-wise aren't able to rest him as much as they should be right now has me a bit concerned as into the fact of like, and he's a 24-year-old and he's having knee tendonitis and it's bothering him right now is very, very worrisome. One thing I'm hoping is that the addition of Fournier can maybe spell his minutes a little bit because right now they don't really have a backup wing like Nesmith and, and Pritchard and Grant Williams and Ojale were like their only backup players in general. And Fournier coming in, playing Jalen Brown's position and being able to play small forward as well, might help maintain upper 20s minutes for Brown if he can't go all the way. Obviously, he'll be in a closing lineup, and and he's going to have games where he plays mid-upper 30s minutes if if it's an intense game. But when we're playing maybe weaker opponents, having Fournier might be able to spell his minutes a little bit. Yeah, they really need to get uh, Jason Tatum there uh, was playing like – league high of like 38 minutes a game after he just came back from COVID-19 in the middle of the season. I'm like, man, he came out and said it doesn't feel like he has the same stamina and we're over here running him 38 minutes into the, into the ground. But it wasn't like we had any choice. You know, the, the bench has been so horrendous this season that they're forced to play these guys like 38 minutes to have a chance. And we're still losing more games than winning at this point. So Evan Fournier is definitely going to, really open that up I think a lot 
and it will be interesting to see what the Celtics decide to do in this buyout market as far as like who they're going to be able to get, if anybody. Um, I'm not a big fan on Drummond, but uh, we'll, we'll see how, what happens in that. Um, what's What's been going on uh, over at the Hoopball Nets? So uh, whenever we record, we, we like to mix it up and add a different question or segment that uh, people don't normally cover. In the last episode, we were talking about who the most valuable player on the Nets is. Like, who is the one player that that they can't do without and make a huge playoff run. And interestingly enough, I'm not the biggest Harden fan overall, but I do see that Harden is their most valuable player. Now that doesn't mean he's their best player. KD is easily their best player, but Harden came in, allowed Kyrie to play off the ball, change the whole dynamic of their team and is running a league best offense at a very high performance. And even when they're not playing, he's having games like he had yesterday where they beat the Pistons. Yeah, the Pistons by two, but he played 42 minutes and had 44, 14 and eight assists. He's creating shots for other people like Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, and making them look great. And, he really brings the best out in everyone on the court. And when all of them are playing together, Harden's going to have the ball in his hands the most. And I think he'll wind up having the least shot attempts of the three while having the ball the most. So having him there, and I also think it's going to fix his playoff turnovers because there's less pressure on him to do do it all and score the ball. I think he'll be able to give the ball up to Kyrie, let him make his own shot. Same with KD. When he was in Houston, it was he had that huge 13 turnover game back in the day in the playoffs against Steph and Clay. But I don't think that's even possible for him anymore because he is the point guard who will have Kyrie and KD next to him and have Joe Harris there to hit threes and Blake Griffin and Claxton there for lobs. I think Harden's in the perfect situation as a point guard right now. And taking him out of that mix brings them right back to, are the Nets really the best team in the East? Because they they had a rough start to the season without him. And I think Harden has proven, and he might actually wind up winning MVP if they continue at this rate, that he is the most valuable piece to the Nets. I don't I don't know which of the three you think is the most valuable. I'd love to hear that. But we were talking and my co host actually agreed with me for once and he, he thought I'm hundred percent on the Harden. Uh playmaking for me is harder to replace than scoring. You can always find a, a bucket getter at C N B A. You got a lot of those. I mean Isaiah Thomas is a big example of like you can pretty much, you know, run somebody and put somebody in there and they can get twenty points a night for you. I just think playmaking and, and basketball IQ is something that should be looked at as some that's why I think I view Marcus Smart the way I do. Is I think his playmaking and his IQ. If I were to say who the Celtics MVP was, I definitely would probably say it's it's definitely Marcus Smart because I feel like he's the glue that sticks to everything. He makes everything work. He makes the offense run better. So I just think it's the same with James Harden where it's like his playmaking really opens up everything else for everyone else as well. 
But as far as it, uh, everything else that goes, um, I know you got to get out of here shortly in like two minutes. So we'll, we'll wrap things up. Uh, if you got anything for the people out there, tell me your Twitter handle again, you know, tell me where they can. Um, you can find me at Hunter underscore JKR on Twitter and Instagram. You can find our podcast, the Hoopball Nets podcast on on Apple, everything. We post that podcast everywhere. And uh, yeah, me and him have some consistency issues, but every time we we uh, record, we bring the high energy. I was really happy to talk about the Celtics today, something I've wanted to do for a long time. And I'm really excited to see how the second half of the season goes. Hopefully I can come on soon again and we'll be talking about the hot streak there on. Oh yeah, we'll we'll definitely uh, have to link up and do this again, and and even maybe when the the Celtics and Nets play each other, uh, we can maybe get all three of us into a podcast and and see if we can really go into depth on on some some really cool stuff. But yeah, Hunter, I appreciate you coming on today, man. It was great talking with you. Um, as well as um, if you guys want to follow us on Hoopball Celtics, uh, you can find us on Twitter. Um, we are posting shows and updates daily. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at Ball and Opinions. That's B A L L I N O P I N O I N S. All right, man. Well, it was great talking with you, Hunter. Hopefully, we get back on this again. And uh, hopefully, you like this uh, whole locker room, man. Bye.